This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So listen, we're gonna we're gonna um, dig right into this and go to the go to Romans chapter ten verse one. I've been telling several people that that this that this is some the place that I wanted to come from, and um, you know and, and wanted to come from here, you know I really wanted to to sort of dig into some of the aspects of uh, of, of what the writer is talking about in Romans, and the Lord was just showing me how essentially the, the teachings that we've been going on about preparation, 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 that these were all in the same vein. You know, the, our, our, the Lord our God, He is one God. The Lord our God is one God. There's never a passage of Scripture, there's never a message that should stand all by itself. If you all um, are, are into the social media atmosphere, it's one thing that I that I put out there recently. I don't I don't like to put out a lot of stuff because a lot of stuff is just, you know, whatever. But one thing I put out there is that if, if, if you ever hear anyone that says that they have a, a special word, that they have special knowledge, they have they have a secret word, uh, a, a secret mystery, mystery word, as soon as you hear that, check your pockets. Check your pockets. Because they're, 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 there's nothing that's, that's hidden. There's nothing that's hidden. Everything that you need is right here. It's right here. It's in this Bible. If, if, you, if you will be what it says that you can be, if you will do what it says that you can do, amen, the Lord of God can work through you. And some people say, well, well if everything is in the Bible, then, then why am I listening to you? The, the, so the Bible has the word of God, but God has given God in his graciousness and his mercy. He's established the local church and he's established perfecting gifts to help you to make application of the word. Because you've been reading, you've been reading, you've been reading. But have you made application of the word that you've been reading? We've been we've been teaching but now, now it's the time to ask yourself, am I making application? Am I actually prepared? And not in the abstract sense. Not in some far off sense, but in the most practical. In the, in the smallest of areas have I made application. And so today we're going to be talking about setting things in order. And specifically we're talking about preparing to win your family. So we're talking today about setting things in order and preparing to win your family. And as I said before, I'm not trying to, to give you anything, any, anything new or mysterious or exciting. What I'm trying to do is to say, have you made application of the teaching that has already gone forth in the most important areas of your life? In the most important areas of your life. We have to set things in order to win our families. You know, why, why are we having this message right now at this particular time? It's as, as we, you know, enter into this particular season in time where restrictions are being lifted and people are, are traveling once again. You know, you've been, you've been away from your family for a year. 
you've been a, you, maybe you had your, your children, maybe you had your parents, but you've been away from your aunties and your uncles for a year. And now finally you got a chance to, to get back together. You have a chance to fellowship together once again. Now you have a chance to reach back out to the, those extended branches. And, you know, family has a, it, it, it plays a, a pivotal role in maintaining your personal victory. All this year we've been teaching about preparation, preparation, preparation for what God is doing next. And many of you, you say that I, I'm ready. I, I, I'm ready to do what God has called me to do. Just, just let me get out into those streets. Let me go into those clinics. Let me go into those homes. Let the people call me. I, I, I am ready to do what God, I'm ready to take the city. I'm ready to do what God has called me to do. But in your, in your readiness, just know that your, your family, they, they have a, a pivotal role in your personal victory. You need to understand and recognize whether your family is, are they a source of strength for you? Is your family a source of strength for you? Or the minister this morning said, are they, are they as a distraction? Are they, are they something that, a consideration that's been poorly, poorly handled? That's been poorly managed? And so now they're, they're at the point of becoming a distraction. You know, your family, what they, they have is they have the potential to become like those, those thorns, the thorny ground. Now, the Word of God, the Word of God is good. The Word of God is good, and the Word of God is powerful, and the Word of God is effective. The hearts that we have, the soil that we have, God has made us so that we can receive His Word. He is, he, he's created a desire inside of us for Him. The ground, the ground is good. The Word is good. The ground is good. But, but sometimes in that ground there's, there's thorns. So as soon as, as growth begins to come up, those thorns, they come to try to choke out the Word. They try to take away from they try to take the nutrients away from. They try to, to take the, the sunlight that's needed away from in order to stunt the growth. And so we don't, we don't want your family to be as the cares of the world that, that come to choke out the word of God. Your family needs to be as, as, as vines that are, that are grafted into the vine. As, as every joint that supplies, that the things that God is trying to do in you, that, that, that they should be reinforcing that. You should be, see, you should be seeing support for, for all those things. What God is doing to the lives of your family, you should be supporting that. Parents, don't let your children say that you were the one that hindered them from fulfilling the will of God. Parents, don't let your children say that it was because of your example that they couldn't trust local ministry. Parents, don't, 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 don't let it be said that, that you were, the, you were the, the stumbling block 
for the little ones. Scripture says it'd be better if you if you tied a millstone around your neck and and you were cast into a well than that you would hinder those that are trying to press in, that are trying to 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 press into what God has called them to. And so, listen, we're going to go to Romans chapter ten, <clears throat> starting with verse one, and it reads, "Brethren." My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. And in the place of Israel, just put just put my family. So let's read it. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for my family. Just put it in all caps. My family. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for my family is that they might be saved. Is that they might be saved. And he goes on to talk about the condition of, 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 the, of the nation of Israel. And many of us can relate that this is, these are some of the same conditions that we see in our family. That we bear them record that they have boldness, they have zeal, they are excited but not according to knowledge, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. And so it is imperative for us as representatives of the kingdom of God to set some things in order. We need to straighten some things out. So let's, let me give, give you some definitions. I like to give definitions so that you understand where my mind is when I'm talking about certain terms. When I'm talking about this subject, it, it gets us all on the same page mentally. Because you might be thinking that I'm talking about something else that I'm not even talking about. So what are we talking about? Let's get to some definitions. What does it mean when we say to set? What does it mean when we say to set the house? And so... Back in, in, in an earlier portion of my career, I was responsible uh, for different manufacturing processes. And one of the things that, that we had is we had these, uh, we, we would make plastic parts. And to make these parts, we had something, it was called a mold. We had, we had a mold, and, and the mold needed to be set. The mold needed to be fashion in a certain way. And it couldn't be so we, we would start off often because of the of the intricacies, we would start off with with infirm materials. But as 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 we as we crafted the mold and formed it and shaped it, then we would go over those infirm materials with more substantial materials. See, first we would go with those things that were pliable. And then we would go with those things that we could set. Things like, like, that, were like that were like aluminum, things that, 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 were, that were rigid and that were firm. And we call that setting the mold. And we would set the mold because once the mold was set, then what was put in the mold would come out good. It would come out expected. If we had continued to use that, that, that initial 
soft, flimsy form, then when we try to apply pressure and heat to the mold, the mold would be marred and the product would be marred. But we would set the mold with that which was, which was firm, with that which was sure, with that which was true, so that what came out of the mold would be good. But now if the mold ever became damaged, if the mold became broken, then that what came out of the mold was also going to be damaged. Are you all following me? Are you, let, let me give you an, an example. Many of you have children. Many of you have been children, hopefully, at some point in your life. And, and for whatever reason, children, it seems like they're made of rubber, but sometimes things break. And so, you know, sometimes children, maybe they'll, they'll get a broken, a broken bone in the cast, and they just love it because then everybody gets to color it and they get to write all over it. But what's happening is a specific process. That which is broken has to be set. And so when, when, when bones are broken, if, if your arm or if your leg, if, if, when your bone is broken, the body has within it what it needs to make compensations, to make adjustments, so that there can be healing. But you cannot allow a broken bone to heal without first setting the bone. Because if you do, what happens is that although you've gotten some healing, that arm is not going to function the way it needs to function. That leg is not going to function the way that it needs to function. And so what do we mean when we say that you have to set the bone? It means that the bones, when they were broken, that they were out of alignment. They were displaced. And so what has to happen is that a trained person, I know what you've seen on TV, it's not like that. A trained person, someone that has knowledge, someone that has some understanding about these things, a trained person, they have to align their broken pieces. They have to, to put them back in order. And this is called setting the bone. And once they, once they align those broken pieces, then they put a cast on it. They put a brace on it. They put a splint on it. They, they put restrictions on it. They put supervision on it. They put restraints on it. Why is that? So that the broken bone doesn't, doesn't move. It doesn't shift while it's healing. And then the healing, the healing process can take place. And so, too often in our families, there are things that have been broken, that are out of alignment. And we'll talk about some of those things. There are aspects of our relationships that have been broken. And they happened years ago, and we've let time, we've let time pass. And we've done Christmases, and we've done vacations, and we've had meals and, and, and reunions together. But you know that it's not functioning the way that it should function. 
you know that it's not functioning the way that it should. The relationship is not working the way that it should work. You know, sometimes a doctor will come in and when the bone is not, it's not set properly, they'll re-break that bone. They'll break it again and line it up properly and then splint it so that it can heal properly. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about setting things in order. There's some things that, that need to be lined up. There's some things that need to be restrained because it's, there's too much wiggle room. There's too much moralism. There's too much legalism going on. There's some things that, that, that we need to break so that God, so that God can straighten it out. So when we're talking about preparing to win your family, I want you all to be on the same page with me when I'm talking about what does it mean to win your family? So when we're talking about winning, go to Proverbs Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11, verse 30. Just looking at some of the other scriptures that I underlined and, and, and circled in Proverbs. It's a, this, 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 the word of God is good. The word of God is good. Proverbs 11, verse 30. It says, the fruit of, righteous, of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. The advantage, the increase, the benefit of the righteous is a tree of life. It's life-giving. It's, it's life-sustaining. It's quickening. And he that winneth souls is wise. What does it mean to win souls? Let me give you an example. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 10. The book of Genesis chapter 10. Just a natural example. What I love about Genesis chapter 10 is this is after Noah and the ark. This is, but this is before Abraham is given the promise of God. This is the time in between. In Genesis chapter 10... Just starting with verse 8, it says it's talking about the, uh, the, the, the generations of the sons of Noah. It's talking about all the descendants and the begats. But here in verse 8, it says, And Cush begat Nimrod. He became a mighty one in the earth. And it gives the reason why he was a mighty one in the earth. It says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Even as it is said, Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And it talks about all that Nimrod began and established. And one, one of, the, one of the, uh, the beginnings of his kingdom was, was Babel, which is, which is where we get the, uh, the, the modern understanding of, of Babylonia, which is where we get the understanding of Mesopotamia, which is where we, today we, we equate that with the area around Iran and Iraq in that area. So it says that, that, that Nimrod was a, was a mighty hunter before God. 
in, in, in my studies, I needed to understand, well, what was it that he was hunting? Was he, was he good at catching game? Is that, is that why he was so... So he, he figured out a way of, 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 of cultivating, of, of harvesting livestock. But no, Nimrod was a, was a hunter. He was a hunter of men. He was a hunter of men. Just jump over to Genesis chapter 11. Starting with verse 1, it says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And in case you don't know, if you can't make the connection to the land, this land of Shinar, this is Nimrod's land. So these people, these are the people that Nimrod has hunted, that he's won over. And they said one to another, Go, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. And this, this, this tower, this, this place, it was also called Babel. So that's how I make the connection that this, that these, that this, is, this is the land that, that Nimrod established. These are the people that he hunted. And so what does it mean to, to win souls? It means to set the direction of the group towards that which is bigger, towards that which is higher than the individual. To set the direction of the group Nimrod had all of civilization at that time. And their, their, their hearts and their minds were focused on that which was bigger than what any one individual could accomplish. To win souls means to direct towards a common purpose. You need to win your family. You need to be prepared to win your family, to set the direction towards a common purpose. Let's come out of the natural into the spiritual. First Chronicles chapter 22. First Chronicles 22. And in case you were wondering what the end of that, that, that expedition was, whenever, whenever you set yourself even if you set your whole community against that which is against God, it will not stand. It will not stand. First Chronicles 22. Just starting with verse 5, and it says, And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent." of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. And in David making preparations, you, you must know that it wasn't just David that needed to make preparations. David, he had conscripted laborers. He had brought in artisans. He'd made treaties with foreign nations to bring in raw materials. 
So David had gathered all of these people together towards a common purpose, towards a common goal. It was something that, that Solomon couldn't do by himself. It was something that David couldn't do by himself. David could gather the materials, but he couldn't build the house. Solomon was, 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 was designated to build the house, but he couldn't do it with his own hands. We're talking about winning souls, directing everyone towards a common purpose, towards a common goal. Listen, when you think about the, the tower in Babel, when you think about the building of the temple, and all of these people coming together, bringing their talents, bringing their skills and their abilities, Listen, the work was intricate. The work was involved. The work was detailed. Oh, but what they were working towards was so simple. Was so, the work itself was intricate. The work itself was detailed. The work itself was involved. But what they were working towards was so simple that even a child would look at it and be, and, and be in awe. That nations abroad would be in awe of it. When we're talking about winning your family, the, the work is involved, the work is intricate, the work is detailed. But what you're working towards is so simple that even your little children, that they know, and they are in awe. So, what does it mean to win your family? What's it mean to win your family? Go to Matthew chapter 18. What we're working for is, 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 it seems like it's complicated. It seems like it's involved. But everyone knows that what we're trying to get to, that the end result of where we're trying to get to, is such that it, it inspires awe. It, it engenders hope. That even though I can't see it now, I know where we're trying to go. I know the place that, as a family, I know where we're trying to get to. We may not be there right now. We may be having trials and hard times now, but I know where we're trying to go. I know the place that we're headed. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Matthew chapter 18. It talks about gaining your brother that's offended you. We're talking about winning souls. Winning your family. It says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained, you've won your brother. You've won your brother. First Corinthians chapter seven. The minister was 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 all 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 over this this morning in our family life class. If you missed it, you missed you missed the word from God. Catch the replay. Catch the replay. Maybe watch it twice. First Corinthians chapter seven. We're talking about Winning your family. Just start with verse 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. It says, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, 
else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. And it says, but if the unbelieving depart, let them depart. If a a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. There needs to be a place of peace in your family. It says, for what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Whether you're going to win your husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Whether you're going to win your wife? But our, our, our heart's desire, our heart's desire is to win. It's to, it's to win. My heart's desire is to win my family. It's to win my family. It talks about how do we gain those. In winning our family, it's gaining those that are, that are outside, even outside of the covenant. Just turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Jump down to verse 21. It says, To them that are without law, as without law. Paul is saying, I'm adaptable. I'm adaptable. What what is the army saying? Adapt and overcome? I'm suitable to all terrains. Why is that? Because I know who I am. I know what is in me. And I, I don't let small differences distract me from winning my brother. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, always being obedient to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law, that I might win my family that is without the law, that I might win my family that's not saved. My desire is to win them. My efforts are, I'm not going to, I can't, I can't say that, 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 I, that I'm going to write you off. Listen, I only have a few minutes left, but I want to make sure that you understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about winning the family. I have, I have uncles, I have, I have cousins that I haven't seen for 20 years that I know are outside of the covenant, that are outside of the law for various reasons. But if I saw them today, if I saw them today, they would be my cousin. If I saw them today, they would be my uncle. Why is that? Because they're my family. Because they're my family. And my heart's desire is that my family be saved. Now listen, there's some people that I went to high school with that if I saw them today, I might just say, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. There's some people I went to college with that, that I might not necessarily drive three blocks over to your birthday party. I'm sorry, it's just like that. I've had co-workers I've been at this company for 24 years. I've had co-workers that I haven't worked with in 10 years invite me to retirement parties. I haven't had fellowship with you. In... But if my, if my uncle came to my house today, I would open my door and prepare a meal for him at my table. Why? Because he is my 
He's my family. If my cousin said they were in San Antonio and they were only going to be there for two days, that's 90 minutes away. But guess what? They normally live 18 hours away. So guess what? I'm going to carve out some time in my schedule. Why? Because they are my, because they're my family. And my heart's desire is that my family be saved. Is that my family, go to Isaiah chapter 54. Listen, if you don't have a heart for your family, I don't know who you have a heart for. If you don't have a desire for your family, I don't know who you have a desire for. And God knows this. And He has prepared teachings for us to understand how we can win our family. How to get ourselves prepared. How to get ourselves set to put these things in place. Listen, when I think about winning my family, this scripture comes to mind. In Isaiah chapter 54, just starting with verse 9, it says, For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart... And the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that have mercy on thee. Listen, my, my kindness, the Lord's kindness will not be removed. The covenant of peace will not be removed. When I think about winning my family, my family needs to be, they need to identify themselves as people of the covenant, as people of the promise. They need to, they need to see this scripture and know that God is talking specifically to each and every one of them. That as the waters of Noah, that even as God made that promise to Noah, that he's not going to leave anyone. He's not going to leave any one of us behind. The songs always talk about the the mountains falling into the sea and the earth being turned upside down. But the Lord says that even if the mountains depart, even if the hills are removed, my kindness is not going to depart from you. It's not going to depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. 
When in your family, your family needs to identify themselves as people of the covenant. Even, even your little children, they, they need to understand, you know, a promise is a promise. A promise, if I don't know nothing else, I know that a promise is a promise. And a deal is a deal. Be careful what you promise your children. Be careful what you say to them because they, you don't want to hinder their faith walk later on in life. If you make a promise, be careful to fulfill it. In, in, in the smallest, in the smallest thing, if you say we're going to Andy's ice cream, you need to make sure that you've made, you've made whatever arrangements you need to make for gas. You need to make sure that you've made whatever arrangements you need to make with the, with the budget and the bank account. Because we may not have dinner, but we're going to Andy's ice cream. Why is that? Because a promise is a promise. And I want you to learn from me what a promise is so that you can understand that when God makes a promise, that even as he is so much higher, as he is so much higher, that God, God makes a promise that as he is so much higher than us, his promises are so much more sure. God makes promises such that he has to make a promise with himself. For our benefit. Because it just wouldn't be the same if he tried to make a promise and then had us make a promise. He says, no, I'm going to make a promise with myself. Because that's ironclad. That is true. That is eternal. But it's for your benefit. It's for the benefit of my family. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Just talking about how God makes promises. It says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And then Abraham, what did he have to do? What was Abraham's part of it? And so after he had patiently endured, this he now means Abraham, patiently endured. He, meaning Abraham, obtained the promise. Go to verse 8. Now this promise that was made to Abraham, it also applies to us. It also applies to us that believe in God. It applies to the people of God today. Hebrews chapter 8. Looking at verse 10, it's talking about that, that, that the old covenant, because it was not sufficient, it was replaced by a greater covenant. And this is the manner of the covenant. This is the manner of the promise that the Lord has made to us in this day. And it says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind, and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Winning your family, your family needs to know that they are people of the covenant. They need to identify themselves as that first and foremost. That needs to be the standard that is raised in your home. 
You know, a lot of times we talk about what people, what their, what their, what their point of view is, what their perspective is. And so listen, if, if you're going to rebel, you're, you're rebelling against the covenant. If, if you're going to comply, you're complying to the covenant. Because that, that, the covenant is the, is, the, is the biggest thing. It's the largest thing. It's the, preeminent, it's the preeminent discussion in our gatherings. It's, 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 what our, it's what our focus is. When they, when they built the tower, you know, it's, it's, it's like when you have a town. That, when I went to the, the University of Texas, there was a, a, a clock tower. And it was, it was in the middle of campus, so almost, right? And so, but where it, was, where it was situated is that you would tell people where, where their directions were relative to that tower. You would say, oh, it's, it, it's, it's, away from the ta- it's, it's away from the tower. It's, it's close to the tower. No, it's right under the tower. No, it's in the street that's right next to the tower. No, no, three blocks up north of the tower. That's where you'll find that building. Everything was situated and around that reference point. The covenant of God needs to be that reference point for your family. Listen, if you're going to rebel, just know that you're rebelling against God. If you're going to argue and be contrary, just know that you're being, you're being argued, you're contrary to the covenant of God. Why is that? Because if you have that reference point, you'll know how to get back. Didn't matter where you were. Didn't matter where I was on campus, what time of day it was. If I did not quite know specifically my location, I just needed to look for, just need to look for that tower. And I would know how to get back to where I needed to be. I, I would know how to get back to the right place. Listen, when we talk about winning your family, we talk about making the covenant of God, His promises, that reference point in your family. Making Him the, the primary, the preeminent in your family. Listen, it, it does not mean, I'm not going to guarantee that every single person in your family is going to be born again. Why is that? Because we're teaching line upon line, precept upon precept. If God will not compel us to be saved, if we must willingly accept them into our hearts, then just know that God is not going to compel your family to be saved. But listen, that standard needs to be raised. That standard, that reference point needs to be established. The gospel needs to be declared. Listen, you're not going to go around like some person on the street saying some all kinds of weird stuff. If you're going to be contrary, you're going to know what you're being contrary to. There's nothing more amusing to me to hear people talk about that that. Um, that talk about their, their opposition to God and they don't, even know, they don't even know anything about God. They talk about their opposition to the church and they don't know anything about the church. 
I'm like, listen, you need to at least know what you're talking about. If you're going to be, if you're going to be opposed to it, you need to at least know what you're talking about. You need to at least have an understanding. And I, I just love, I just love talking to those, those, those intellectuals that 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 have been raised in the church, and they know, and they know, and they know. And I said, well, what do you think about kindness then? You know, you don't, you, I know, I understand you, you're not you're not into organized religion, but what do you think about kindness? Um, you think that that children that don't have fathers should be cared for? You think that what about what about old people, widows that that um, that that are in need of assistance? Are you saying that you would not help Big Mama if she needed help? Is that what you're telling me? Because if I if 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 if, if, if they will concede on kindness. Now we have. Now we can talk about. Well, let's talk about mercy. If you can concede on kindness, and you can concede on mercy. Well, let's talk about love. Now let's talk about how you can show kindness, how you can show mercy. How, no, no, really show it. No, not that fake stuff. I'm talking about really show it. Really demonstrate it. Where does it come from? What's the motive for it? What's the power behind it? Then say, you know what? I've fallen short where I could have. Now we can talk about grace. Now we can talk. Now, now listen. Now, now we can have a conversation. Now we can have a But look. Don't 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 be the family where where someone they don't even they don't even know who God is. Don't don't let me run up into a cousin that doesn't even know who Jesus is. I had the pleasure of being in school with a, with a broad variety of people, and and once I I, I asked this, this this young lady because she was a, she was an artist, and I, I really liked her drawings. And I needed a, a design for a T-shirt, um, and I said, "Can you can you make me a design for this T-shirt?" And what I want is I, I want I want three crosses, and I want I want I want not so much of an actual man, but a representation of a man in the middle. And she said, "I, I, I guess I could do I guess I could do that." What, what would that represent? She'd been raised Muslim her whole life. She'd been raised Muslim her whole life. And so I shared, I shared with her the gospel based on that conversation. Don't, don't be as, as those that they've never heard. It kind of caught me by surprise when she said it because I, I assumed that all Muslims knew the gospel. I've spoken with plenty of them that were debating the Bible with me, but she had never heard, she had never heard of Jesus Christ, had never heard of his death and of his resurrection, did not even know why I was getting prepared to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord and why I would need a T-shirt made up about it. So I was able to share the gospel with her. In, in, in your family, 
winning your family, it, do, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be born again, but it, it does mean that there should be a, a God-mindedness. There should be a God-mindedness in your homes. Whenever you get together, there should be a God-mindedness. Listen, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to debate what you believe, but we're about to eat, so we need everybody to be quiet. We're going to bow our heads, and we're going to say words to the Lord. You know what? I know you're about to get on the road, and I know you're in a hurry, but let me just grab your hand for a second, because I want you to be safe in your travels. I want you to make it there. I want your family to make it there safely. I'm asking God's mercies upon you as you travel. There should be a God-mindedness whenever you get together. Listen, winning your family, it does not mean that there's not going to be personalities in your family. It, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be pressures in your family. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be problems in your family. These things will continue. What am I? What are you talking about? We're still listen. We're still setting the definitions so that you understand what it means to win your family. When we're talking about personalities in your family, listen. These are individual preferences. Personalities are a result of individual preferences. Their preferences in problem solving. Their preferences in processing information. Somebody once told me that, that, that your emotions, your emotions are, are, are essentially how you're processing information. Your emotions come from how you process information. They come from preferences in how you communicate. Listen, some examples of, of, of personality differences in the family. Clothing choices. Clothing choices. I may as well say it. Listen, I, for one, just me personally, I'm not a big fan of jeggings. But now, a lot of people love them. If you love them, buy them in every color. Buy them in every color. Hairstyles. These are, these are preferences. Listen, why am I talking about it? Because these things, they actually cause divisions in families. Can you believe that? I can't believe she wore red. I can't believe he wore those. Hairstyles, I can't believe he cut his hair like that. I can't believe he's growing his hair like that. What is that on his face? What does she have in her nose? Hairstyles. Listen, preference between some people are handshake people. They see you, they're going to shake your hand. They might shake it, they might hold it, but they're just, they're handshake people. Some people are huggers. You know who they are. You know, you know who you are. Come here and give on to you. All right, all right, all right. God bless you, Auntie. Listen, these, these are things that, that, these are just preferences. 
that we allow to cause divisions in our family. Uh, the planners versus the doers. The planners versus the doers. Now, the doers, they think the planners always want to run everything. And the planners, they think the doers are always running off half with their head cut off. Like a chicken with their head cut off, I think it's the same. But the planners versus the doers. The planners versus the doers. Listen, there's some people that are writers. There's some people that are talkers. One thing to know about, about these personalities, that they are preferences. And preferences can be modified and they can be monitored. You can make yourself aware of your preferences. You can monitor your preferences. You can change your preference. If you are a handshake person, guess what? I know, I know, I know you need this. I'm gonna give you a hug. I love, I love my son. He grew up his whole life. He's a handshake person. If, if you knew him, if you knew him, you you would know you would know that that was true. And growing up, he was a, a handshake person. But. I, I was so touched on, on Father's Day. On Father's Day, unasked for. He came up and gave me a hug. <laughs> and as much as the hug meant to me, it meant so much more because I knew what it, what, it, what it took for him. I knew what it took for him to do it. Listen, preferences, they can be monitored. You can... You can make yourself aware of what your preferences are. You can modify them because it's just a preference. Listen, your preference is not a motive. Your preferences are not motives. The preferences that you, the preferences that you see in your family, those are not motives. Listen, she is not wearing her hair like that to get back at you. There was a a family member that, for whatever reason, uh, they were they were upset. This happened many years ago, uh, maybe ten years ago, something like that. They were upset because uh, they 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 perceived that 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 my children weren't coming up to them and speaking to them. Now, granted, I mean, they see them once or twice a year, so, you know. Sometimes sometimes you have to be the mature person. Sometimes I'm just saying. Um, but that was just their that was just their preferences. Preferences are not are not motives. I I, I was I was touched up where I was, I was visiting with family recently, different person, not the same person, different person. Um, they were talking to me about some things that, that I was that, that I had going on in my life, and then I had to go off and do something else. And the next thing I knew, I saw them. They, they were talking to they were talking to my kids, and they were talking to them about oh, well, 
I'm, I know I'm going to get it wrong. It was, it was either Digimon or Pokey something. And um, they, they just happened to have a, a, a little one. And uh, their little one was, uh, was telling my son, oh, yeah, bring it out. I can beat you in that. And, and, and uh, I, I thought this, this, is, this is like night and day from the, the, the standard that's in the, in the family from, from, from 10, 15 years ago. You know, people were, were saying that you needed to come up and you needed to acknowledge them. And now we've had, we've had people pass. We've had a changing. We've had the Holy Spirit at work. We've had norms and values shifted. And so now the older ones are saying, I need to find out what are you interested in? And I need to come up to you and engage you in conversation. Now listen, some of y'all don't, some of y'all are, are, are maybe don't, don't quite know, but some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I came up in an apostolic faith, very strict background. And children had a specific role and adults had a specific role. And you know what? A lot of that came from slavery and Jim Crow. I, I, I believe that. Maybe not true, but I think it is. Where you needed to show a certain level of respect to someone even if you didn't really know who they were. Where someone that, that felt like they were in a status or a position had to, had to be afforded certain courtesies. You know, but when I read my Bible, when I read my scripture, I see that Jesus himself, that when he was among his disciples, those that followed him, that he girded himself. And he washed their feet. That, that Jesus said, let the, let the children come to me. We're not going to put them out of the room. Let them come to me so that they can be blessed. We're talking about winning your family. Winning your family. Personalities, they, they can be modest, they can be changed. Personalities, they're preferences. They're not motives. They're not motives. Pressures. Pressures in the family. What are you talking about, pressures in the family? We're just setting the definitions. We're setting the stage so that you understand. Don't let personalities cause divisions in your family. Someone hasn't sent you a text message or given you a phone call. They didn't wish you a happy birthday. You know what? Instead of being offended, maybe you need to be the one that on your birthday, you reach out to your family and say, I am so thankful that God has given me this year and that he has given me you people as my family. Stop waiting for somebody to bring a cake to your house and throw you a surprise party. Maybe you need to surprise someone else. Says, you know what? The thing that I most wanted to do on this day, on this day that I set aside for, for making myself happy, was to make you happy. Was to be a blessing to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, my heart's desire. 
for my family is that they be saved. That's, that's my heart's desire for my family is that they would be saved. I'm not going to let personalities come between cause divisions in the family. Listen, there, there, there's pressures in the family. Pressures are, are coming from the outside in. Pressure is real. Pressure, it has a broad reach. And you try, to, you try to protect yourself. You try to shield yourself. You try to shield your family. But some pressure is unavoidable. I'm talking about the economy. If everybody's getting laid off, guess what? Somebody in your family's getting laid off. I'm talking about the government. If they're setting policies that are against all poor people, guess what? Some of the people in your family are going to be impacted. If they set policies that punish rich people, guess what? Some people in your family are going to be impacted. If they set policies that impact the middle class, guess what? The government has just impacted. They've applied pressure to your family. Don't believe the narrative that says that there is an us and there is a them. Don't believe the stories that say that there are those over there and there are those in the other place. No, we are all one. You look across your family and you'll see that there... I have people in my family that are as dark as me and I have people in my family that, that you would think were white. I have some people in my family that are white. Just looking at my at my, my grandmother and her brothers and sisters. That's that's the beautiful thing about about what God has done through us. We come we come in all all colors and shades. Same same mother. Same fathers. All different colors and shades. When I look at across my family. I, I see all socioeconomic statuses being represented. From those that need government assistance to those that, that actually know and are concerned about the alternative minimum tax. And if you don't know and, are, and don't care about that, then don't worry about it. But if you do, you know it means that you made too much money that the government couldn't find a good way to tax you, so they had to figure out an alternative way to get your money. <laughs> There's going to be pressures from the economy, from the government. Listen, this pandemic has a pressure. It's a pressure that's been placed on your families. Racial injustice. Pressure for coming from the outside. It's placed on your family. I love what the minister said. He says that, the, you know, there's some natural considerations. There, there, there are things that are happening naturally that are unavoidable. But what you have to do is that you have to manage those considerations appropriately. You're going to have to respond to them appropriately. Your family is going to have to know to respond to them appropriately. 
Listen, there's a place I need to get to, so let me, let me just press on. The other thing in your family is that you're going to have problems in your family. You're, go, you're going to have problems in your family. Among the covenant people, those that say that they are saved and sanctified, you're going to have problems. Now, what do I mean by problems? I'm talking about self-inflicted wounds. Self-inflicted wounds. Where members have missed the mark. Where they've missed the mark. And they miss it in such a way that it, it tears at, it tears at the fabric of unity. It causes us to want to be separate and not together. A quick example of divorce. Just put it out there. People, people take that too casually. The media takes that too casually. In society, we take that too casually. Divorce tears at the fabric of your family. You can't tell me that you filled up a church for you to stand up front with that other person and make these vows before God and men, including your family, and now you are going to tear that asunder and it's not going to tear at the fabric of your family? No. Listen, I know that there's reasons. I know that there were circumstances. But yet and still, Divorce tears at the fabric of your family. These are self-inflicted wounds. Drug abuse. Let's get real. Drug abuse. If you have a family, if you have a family, you have someone in your family that abuses drugs, that has abused drugs, that may still be abusing drugs. And you know that it tears at the fabric of the family. This person that, in some cases, you, you, you knew them when they were a little one. Sing it in church. Face shining like a penny. And now they look like death. Because of what drugs have done to their bodies, have ravaged them, aged them twice their years, taken away their capacity to make reasonable decisions. Drug abuse tears at the fabric of your family. Listen, we just talked about this on, on, on the other night. Um, fornication, adultery, masturbation. This tears at the fabric. But I thought that was just between me and that was just between, it was inside our, no. No, you say it's inside of your house, but it's not. It's against your body. 
and it tears at the fabric of the family. It tears at the fabric of the family. Uncle can't have an outside wife and it not tear at the fabric of the family. You can't have a, a work husband and it not tear at the fabric of the family. Listen, we need the your family. It's going to need the tools. It's going to need the tools to heal these wounds and to restore these bonds. This is what we mean when we talk about setting things in order. Preparing to win your family. How do we get past these personality differences? How do we respond appropriately to these pressures? How do we heal the wounds? These self-inflicted wounds and restore the bonds of our family. Listen, winning your family... What it does mean is that there will always be a place of peace. In your family, there needs to be a place of peace. Back, back in the old days, it would be grandmama's house. Now, now it needs to be uncle's house. Now it needs to be your house. Now it needs to be your, your children's homes. There needs to, you need to help your family to know how to make and establish a place of peace. A place of peace. I'm going to close with this. Again, as I said, everything that we're, that we're teaching, it's, it's, all, it's, all, it's all in here. It's all in here. Just go to Deuteronomy. Chapter 6. A passage that I love is, is my favorite meditation. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart with all thine soul and with all thy might. And if you read further on, it talks about how you need to teach this meditation to set this principle in the hearts of your children so that when they ask about it, that you can say, look, the Lord is the one that delivered us. That you'll write them on your, on your doorpost. That it'll be known that we are... This is a place of peace. We are people of the covenant. And just like the Lord promised in the days of Noah, His covenant, His kindness shall not depart from us. The covenant of His peace, He will not take away. Amen. Family, we're going to talk more next week about 
the application. I'm just, I'm just setting the state so that you understand what the stakes are. This is what we're talking about when we're saying that we need to set things in order. And we need to prepare to win our families. We're going to talk about the application based on the teachings that have gone forth. On how we can make this reality in our homes. How we can press into the righteousness of God. And, and win and gain our brothers. Gain our sisters. Gain our uncles, our cousins. So that they are all focused on, listen, the, the execution. Don't forget what the execution of it. It's, it's detailed. It's intricate. It's very specific to each family because you know what pieces need to be put back in place. Oh, but the end result, the end result, even the little kids know. I want to go to Grandma's house. I want to, I want to go to Papa's. That's where I want to. That's these are these are my favorite. Is it time to to for us to to re, to re, reunite again? Is it time for I? That's where I want to be. I want to be with my family, the people of the covenant. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.